Last week we began a new series. If you were with us, hopefully you were, that's called Life Apps. If you weren't, I would challenge you to go on our website to, be, uh, to look at that, to listen to that message uh, that Chad brought to us last week. Uh, and as he talked last week, he looked at that app called the Contact app. We all have that, the contacts on our phone. Uh, I'm sure you do. I do, uh, which is amazing because I usually just use my phone as a phone, okay? Using my phone is because I'm going to call somebody. I don't use it for hardly anything else, so I, I have very few apps on, on, on it at all. Uh, but contacts I do have on there. Um, and so, uh, it, it, and he tied that into our relationships that we have, the relationships that we have with people. Because one of the things that we have to understand is this. You and I were created to be in relationship with each other. And that's why God created us. Not only to be in a relationship with him, but to also be in a relationship with one another. And it's up to us to decide whether those relationships are going to be shallow or they're going to be deep. Whether we're going to stay in the shallow end or we're going to venture out into the deeper waters. That's why Chad challenged you and invited you to test drive one of our life groups. If you're not in a life group, he challenged all of us to test drive our life groups and to begin to build and to share in those deeper relationships. Now, here's the cool thing. Uh, we had about 50 people um, sign up to be a part of life groups. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, we already got a great number in our church, but we had 50 new people sign up to be a part of life groups. So over the next several weeks, not only will he begin plugging you in, but I think we're starting at least two to three new groups um, just from those who have signed up. So if you weren't able to be a part of that, but you would like to be a part of life groups, I would challenge you to talk to Chad or to fill one of our uh, cards out that you can find uh, out in the lobby because I know they would greatly appreciate that. This week, we want to continue our series. How many of you have the clock app on your phone? You got the clock icon app, whatever. How many have got it on there? How many use that as, as your kind of your main, main alarm clock? Anybody raise them high? Yeah, probably most of us do. I know I do. I mean, that's how I got up this morning. I mean, and even though on my phone it's very little, I mean, it's really a small icon, really a small app, but let me tell you, if I didn't use that, I would probably still be in bed right now, okay? You may, you may be a hustle, you may be one of those people who'd still be in bed. And so even though it's small, we tend to use it. Um, now, I want us to think about this thing called time. Uh, I came across this uh, the other day. I want you to see if you can relate to it. It's called um, a new version of the 23rd Psalm. But when I read it, I'm going, wow, that's, that just kind of hits where I'm at. Listen, see if you can relate. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My end basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. You ever felt that way? Yeah. Probably a lot of us have. Don't we? And maybe that's even a picture of how you live out every single day of your life. 
came across this cartoon. See if you can relate. It's from Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes. And he once said, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I'll never die. <laughs> you ever feel that way? You, I mean, you're just so far behind. Now, here's what you need to understand. Time is a powerful force. And even though it's a powerful force, everybody on this planet is, has the same amount allotted to them. No more, no less. You see, there are 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and 8,736 hours in a year. And each one ticks by one millisecond, one second, one minute at a time. Now, here's what's interesting about time. Even though it's always the same, there are times when it can feel very different. I mean, think about your life. There are times, even though all the time is the same, that it just feels different. Such as, sometimes it seems to just kind of go by very, very slowly, doesn't it? I mean, if you're uh, 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 in, in school and you're sitting through class all day, I mean, it just seems like it just drags by. Or if you're in a job that you particularly don't like, I mean, it just drags by. And so time can feel like it's just kind of going by very slowly. But then there are other times. There are other times like the summer or maybe like your child or your kid's childhood where time just seems to fly by. I mean, it's here one minute. And then it's gone. And then there are, are those moments where time just seems to stand still. I mean, get, remember back to your first kiss. Or maybe your wedding day. Or maybe the birth of your first child. And time just seemed to stand still. But regardless, time is always the same. Same for you and same for me. That's why the difference between my time and your time is simply this. It's a matter of choice. We've been given this life allowance, this gift. We choose how we spend it, where we spend it, and who we spend it on. But there's something else that's interesting about time. It's been said that it has always been and will always be the currency of our lives. How many have ever heard the phrase, time is money? Okay, we, we, we use that phrase, but the reality is, in some ways, it's that currency of life. Thomas Edison wrote, time is really the only capital that any human being has, and the only thing he has, or he can't afford to lose. Michael LaBeouf, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that way right, but it really doesn't matter, um, because I don't know the guy. So... Um, He's an American business author, former professor of management at the University of New Orleans. He once wrote these words. He said, waste your money and you're only out of money, but waste your time and you've lost a part of your life. You see, unlike money, we can't create more time. Once it's gone, it's gone. But we can invest it wisely. And so this morning, I want us to wrestle with this uh, wrestle with this question. Wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spell that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wrestle with this question. How do we spend our time wisely? I mean, how do we spend it wisely? How do we invest it wisely? Well, researchers did some, as you would imagine, research. Okay. So researchers did some research, 
And they used as their profile an employed person between the ages of 25 and 54 with kids. And so what I want to do right now is just kind of to summarize and illustrate their findings like this. Now, in my hand, I've got um, 23 single $1 bills. And in this hand, I've got a dollar in change. And these $24 represent the 24 hours that every one of us have each and every day. This is what they found in the research. And these are just kind of averages. Again, it's just averages across the country. They, researchers found that we roughly spend eight hours sleeping. Uh, Zach, come here a minute, will you? Um, and so here's what I want to do. I, I'm just going to count out to you. You don't get to keep this. <laughs> My mom's counting. Okay, so, so just uh, represents eight hours. It's two, three. Come on over here, get closer to me. They also found out that we average about eight hours of work or school. So let's get another eight. That's good. They found that we spend one hour eating. We spend about an hour doing tasks around the house. So here's another dollar. We spend about an hour taking care of our kids. So here's another dollar. We spend about an hour for personal hygiene or bathroom time. Now, again, that's kind of relative and that's an average. And some of that depends on the person. And it also can depend, the bathroom time can depend on what you ate. So um, <laughs> could be longer, could be shorter, don't know. But anyway, so here, here's another dollar. Okay, we spend about an hour for travel and for commuting. Again, this is these averages. So here's another dollar. And then we spend two hours for hanging out, for social media, computer, TV, video games, or whatever. So here's uh, those last two dollars. $23 when added up. Now I want you to understand something. All that's left right now is change. That's all that's left. It's change. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, I trust him. I know his dad. <laughs> All that's left is change. Here's the sad thing. This sound right here, that represents the sound God hears as I bring him my spare change. My one hour of leftover time. Giving him what I could scrounge up in the couch cushions of my life. So the question is, is it possible to invest our time differently, to give God what he deserves instead of what's left after we've spent the rest? And the answer is, you bet it is. But to do it, we must rearrange some things. We must move from busyness to godliness. Here's what I mean by that. The reality is, man, every one of us here, we are crazy busy, aren't we? I mean, for most of us, we try to cram 31 hours into 24. I mean, that's us. And as you have probably discovered, it won't work. It just doesn't. Here's the thing that we must keep in mind. If we are not careful, the pace of our life has the potential to take us out physically, emotionally, but most importantly, spiritually. In his book, First Things First, Stephen Covey writes, he said, people expect, expect us to be busy and overworked. 
It become, it's become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. It's validating, popular, and pleasing, and it's also a good excuse for not dealing with the things that are most important in our lives. He goes on to say in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, the way you spend your time is a result of the way you see your time and the way you really see your priorities. In other words, we need to learn to focus on what's important, not just on the things that are urgent. So how do we bring balance to our relationships, especially our relationship with our God. Well, there's a great passage that helps us understand the importance of prioritizing that shows how we can spend our time more wisely. It's found in the book of Luke in chapter 10, and it's found starting in, verses thir- in verse 38 going through verse 42. Now, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there, but I just want to set the stage for you and kind of paraphrase a little bit of it as we get into this. This is basically what's happening. In, in Luke 10, there's a point in Luke 10 where, where Jesus is confronting and talking with the religious leaders. And he's talking about what's the two most important commands. And he basically says this, it's to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then one of them says, but who's my neighbor? And so Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan to illustrate who the neighbor is, how we are to love our neighbor. When that's done, they begin to travel again, and they come to a town called Bethany. It's just outside of Jerusalem. When they get there, it seems that Jesus sends the disciples on into Jerusalem. He makes kind of a side trip to a home. It's the home of Mary Martha. They live in Bethany. So Jesus goes in. He's been there many times. He stayed there many times. And so as he goes in, Martha begins to do what only Martha can do, and that is she begins to become a good host. So she begins to clean the house, and she begins to straighten up, and she begins, I believe, to prepare a meal for Jesus. I mean, after all, that's what a good hostess would do, and She begins to do all these things. But as she's just doing those, she looks around and she discovers that her sister, Mary, is not with her. I mean, Mary should be there helping Martha with the cleaning and with the cooking, but instead, she's in the other room. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's listening and she's learning just like a disciple would do. And and Martha gets hacked off. To the point that she actually confronts Jesus. She pulls him aside and says, look, I'm doing all the work here. And Mary is sitting in the other room when she should be helping me. I want you to go in there and tell her to get in here and help me. Now, starting in verse 41. Look at what Jesus says. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Only one thing is important. Mary has chosen the better thing, and it will never be taken 
away from her. Now, as I thought about that, what's interesting is in this passage in Luke 10, Jesus had talked to the religious leaders. He said the two most important commands are this, is to love God and to love people. He illustrated how to love people. And now we see how to love God. It's by spending time with him. It's by being at his feet, listening and learning. Here's the thing. What Martha was investing her time in, it wasn't necessarily bad. That wasn't a bad thing to do, to be a hostess. But it wasn't what was best. I mean, the house would stay clean for a few days. And the food was satisfied for a few hours. But what Mary was investing in would last forever. Why? Because she was spending time with Jesus. She was at his feet, listening and learning, and she was praying, and she was at the feet of the Messiah, becoming a disciple of his. Now, I understand how hard it is not to get caught up in the details of life, but if our priorities don't change... If we continue to give God our spare change, our leftover time, we will always struggle in our relationship with him. In fact, you may wake up one day and you may realize that you really don't know him at all. So then, how can we be more focused and purposeful with our time? Well, for the last few moments that we have, I want to share with you four ways that we can move from busyness to godliness. When it comes to our time. The first is this. I think for a lot of us. Maybe for most of us. I think we need to learn to say no. We just need to learn to say no. I mean let's think about that for a moment. How often do you find yourself. Saying no to somebody's request. For some of your time. I mean if we were honest. It would probably not be very often. In fact if you were to pull out your phone. And look at your calendar. You would, be pro- you would probably be asking yourself. Why in the world did I schedule that? I mean why did I put another thing. On my schedule for that day? Why did I do that? You see the reality is. It's hard for us. To say no. For one reason. Many of us are people pleasers. We want people to like us, and so we say yes. For others of us, by saying yes, we think that means there's going to be more opportunities to excel in life. And so it's going to allow us to get that better job, that bigger home, that bigger income, that better vacation, and the list can go on and on. You see, we need to learn to say no to the things that are pulling us away so that we can say yes to the thing that is really the most important. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Look what he says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Now, for a lot of us, our focus in that verse is the last part. We want to focus on all these things. Okay? We want to focus on the job, the raise, the new car, the new house. We want you fill in the blank. But Jesus says that the number one priority in our life should be to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the problem is this. When it comes to God and our time, he's usually the one we say no to. Isn't he? It's like we say, God, I'm just so busy. 
I really don't have time right now to seek you out. And I think he wants to say to us, what do you mean you don't have time? The problem's not your time. The problem's your priorities. Your priorities are screwed up. The other things can wait. I think he wants to say, you need to be like Mary. You need to, to be at my feet listening and learning and praying. You need to be coming like me. And so the question we all need to answer today is this. Am I willing to say no to all the other voices that are vying for my time and attention so that I can say yes to the one true voice that really matters? And that's the voice of Jesus. See, we need to learn to say no. Second of all, we need to redeem our time. Redeem your time. This is what I mean by that. We need to make the most of every opportunity that we're given. Paul puts it this way in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, starting verse 15. Look what Paul says. He says, be, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We need to make the most of every opportunity that we are given. If Tom's back, Tom, are you back there? Tom back there? I've got my glasses on. I can't see. Uh, yeah. Can you give me some water, please? Thank you. You see, the question is, how are we making the most of the opportunities we've been given each and every day? Now, if you're a parent in here, let me speak to you for just a moment. Parents, when you're driving your kids to the soccer game or band activities or a birthday party or the mall, how are you spending the time in the car? I mean, are you on your phone scheduling the next meeting that you have? Is the radio blaring? Or are you in conversation with your kids? You see, we forget that we have the most incredible opportunity with our kids in the car and the van to talk to them. Why? Because they're strapped in. <laughs> they're stuck. They can't go anywhere. And so take away their phone, their tablet, turn off the movie, and you need to talk. Again, are you redeeming the time in a healthy way to build those relationships with your kids, are you? Are you redeeming that time that you're given? How about this if you're married? Those married couples in here. It's evening. Dinner's over. The kids are in bed, and you and your spouse are in wind-down mode. So what's happening? Are you both on your computers? Maybe you're in different rooms watching separate TV shows. Are one of you doing chores while the other is reading? Or are you spending time talking about each other's day, listening to what's happening in their life, maybe making it a date night at home? I mean, what are you doing? Again, are you wasting this time when we could be redeeming it and strengthening our relationship with our spouse? And here's what we have to understand. That same principle is true in our relationship with Jesus. So the question is this. Are we making the most of the opportunities that we are given each and every day to spend time with Jesus? Are we resting at his feet? Are we reading his word? 
Are we listening to his still small voice? Are we sharing with those who are outside the kingdom? We, we have time each day that we can redeem. The question is, how are you redeeming it? And how are you spending it? Thirdly, we need to pause. We need to pause. Now, I was raised in a small town in Indiana called Brazil, Indiana. It's not a big town, 10, 12, 15,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. I think it was maybe 8,000 when I was growing up. But it was a very small place. And the pace of life there was a lot different than it is here in this area. In fact, in this area, in this fast-paced environment that we live in, a pause feels twice as long as it does for those in a rural environment, doesn't it? You see, the problem is we either don't want to or we've forgotten how to take a pause. Now, I love what's happening in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It's a great passage. I want you to listen to these words. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the story of how God created this amazing world that we live in. And after he created it, he took a pause, he took a break, he took a rest. What we sometimes call a Sabbath. After the work that he had just finished, he needed to rest. He needed to relax. He needed to, to jump in that heavenly hammock with a glass of wine. I mean, uh, probably uh, cold lemonade. And, and to see what he had done and what he had completed. He just needed a pause. He needed that Sabbath. So what does it mean to take a pause? What does it mean to have a Sabbath? Well, the term Sabbath means to catch your breath. Wow. That sounds good, doesn't it? To catch your breath. But the definition that I really love is this. It's to let your spirit catch up with you. It's to let your spirit catch up with you. You know what that infers? It infers that you're running so fast, you are so busy that your spirit's lagging behind. It can't catch you. And you need to pause. You need to allow your spirit to catch up. If you're like most people, your life is ruled by your calendar. You schedule everything. So the question is, are you scheduling a time of Sabbath? Because if you're not, then you need to start. And maybe you need to start small. Start saying no to a few things so you can schedule a couple hours a week for your Sabbath. Create moments of intimacy with God. Take some time to sit at his feet and to pray and to listen so that your soul, your spirit can catch up to where you are. Because if you don't, you will run so far ahead that you won't even know you have a soul and you have a spirit. Learn to pause. Learn to say no. Redeem your time. Pause. And then lastly, start enjoying the gift he's given. 
Start enjoying the gift he's given. You know, most of us, most of us in here are probably familiar with the song Cats in the Cradle. It was written by, the, the music actually was written by Harry Chapin, but the song was actually a poem that, that was written, written by his wife, Sandy, about her first husband's strange relationship with his dad. Harry said, the song really scares me to death. The song became so popular that he was doing 200 shows a year, and when Sandy became pregnant and they had had a baby, one day Sandy went to Harry and simply said, could you hang out at the house with us more? Can you just hang out with us? You're just gone so much. And so Harry promised her that he would, that he would hang out at the end of the year. But on July 16, 1981, of that same year, Harry's car was hit on the Long Island Expressway and he was killed. The end of that year never came for him. But the end of his life and the end of his wife's dream of more family time did come to a sudden stop that day. Let me remind you of some of the words to that song. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. There were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed and said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. Well, he came from college just the other day, so much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and my kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he had grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon, when you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. How many of you live cats in the cradle kind of life? Maybe you want to stop, and so you tell people you're going to slow down. I mean, you even make promises. But life just keeps coming at us at this frantic pace, and then it's gone. Frederick Buchner once said, live like today is the first and last day of your life. Here's the thing. You and I have been gifted by God with one life to live. How are we going to spend the time we've been given starting today? Are we gonna, how are we going to spend it? My challenge to you is this. Don't get so caught up in the journey of life that you fail to pause and enjoy the gift that you've been given. Live like today may be your last. 
Let's reflect. Let me leave you with these words this morning. In Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 7. It reads like this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Here's the thing. God gave us life. In fact, we are told God breathed his very spirit into us. And so if God breathed his spirit into us, that means that our life has meaning and our life has purpose and our life is a gift from the Father. And so the question is, are you enjoying or are you abusing the gift he's been given to us? You know, I think we all want our lives to be worth something. We want to be remembered for more than being a person who is just busy. So maybe we need to think about it this way as we close. At the end of your life, if you keep spending your time the way you are right now, what would people say about you? How would they describe your life? If you just keep spending your time the way you're spending it now, how are they going to describe you if today is your last day? I mean, would they say, wow, what a great dad. What a great mom. Or would they say, he or she works so hard and works so much that I'm not sure that they even knew their kids and family. Would they say, wow, he or she was such an amazing friend. Or would they say, they were so busy that our friendship was just left kind of by the wayside. Would they say, there were they were such an amazing example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, I'm a Christian today because of their example and their encouragement. Or would they say, I didn't even know that they were a Christian. Whether we like it or not, you and I are defined by how we spend our time. So again, how are you spending it? And how much is devoted to God on a daily basis? Or is he just getting the leftover change of life? You and I have been given a gift. A gift of time. And I think it's time that we start spending it the way God would want us to, don't you? April's going to come and play. and We're just going to reflect for a moment. Because I don't know where you're at, and I don't know how this affects you and, and, and hits you, but I know it has me as I prepared this week and as I was writing this, just thinking about just Lucy and I and our relationship, thinking back to, to my boys and, and, and how much I, I would spend with them or not spend with them. You know one of the best things that happened to me in my life when it comes to the time that I had with my boys, it was when they were about uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, right in there. Um, we were in, uh, when we were in Wichita, Kansas, when I was a youth pastor. Because I was just spending so much time away from home. We had, our youth group was about uh, 70, 75 kids. We were just doing uh, lots of things. I was gone a lot. The best thing that happened was Lucy went back to school. She went to nursing school. And she started classes in the evening, late afternoon and evenings, which meant I had to rearrange my schedule, which meant that I had to be home 
more. And so I cooked dinner a lot, but I spent that time with the boys. And we built one of these playgrounds. It's the best thing that happened to me because it helped me to begin to put into perspective the time that I have or don't have, the time I choose to spend on them or don't spend on them. So I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. The most important time that we, we, we need to set aside each and every day is the time we have with our God. He should never get the leftover change. He should never get the leftover time. His should always be first. The first dollars that should have been counted out should have been him, not the last. So where are you at? So as we reflect, if you need to change some things, maybe you just need to come in repentance and say, you know what, man, that is me, and I need to change some things. My relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus needs to be the most important thing in my life. And right now it is not. And I need to change that. If you have the courage and the guts to do that, I challenge you to come. And we'll pray with you. Man, we'll help you. So as, as we reflect, just whatever you have on your heart, you just get up and come and sit down here and we'll be here to pray with you. Let's reflect.